0: There's a guy here just in the nick of time. What does that make us? Big damn heroes, sir. Yeah.
1: Ain't we just.
2: Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM, the film and TV radio show where a handful of film enthusiasts shoot the breeze about all things film and television. I'm Marcus E. Ako and I am really buzzed to be talking to some of the filmmakers in the Paris International Film Festival 2022, uh, which is running from February the 10th to February the 20th. Uh, yeah, I can't
3: wait to talk to them. Hi, I'm producer Dave and I too chatting to some of these filmmakers, it's been a great time. So I'm looking forward to the start of uh, the festival and yeah, can't wait for you to hear some of the interviews as well.
2: Yeah, and we're gonna jam pack all of them uh, because there are a lot of them that we're talking to and we wanna try and get all of them in as quickly as possible before the festival starts. So enough with my rambling, let's just jump straight into one of the first interviews. So producer Dave, take it away. you listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus akko And I'm producer Dave. And we're here with another filmmaker whose film is in the Paris International Film Festival, which is running from the 10th of February to the 20th of February. Please tell us your name and the name of your film.
0: Hi,
1: I'm Sophie Tavermachon. I'm the director of the feature film A Night Shays.
2: Excellent. Sophie, thank you very much for joining us today. What is Nightshades about?
1: Night sh- Nightshades, it's uh, the story of uh, three women, uh, which are three friends. And we discover with, um, that uh, these women are, are very closed and they, they're going to be to, li- to, to live... Um, a psychic experience, a metaphysic experience, a magic experience, uh, until they make a choice very important in each lives of uh, in uh, each life.
2: Yeah, it makes sense. So it, it, they have a metaphysical experience, and uh, it involves magic. Um, now, the, the nightshades, uh, I looked on, on one of the posters, and you have the French title for it, which is Belladonna's. Is it Belladonna's? Am I, did I get that right? Belladonna. Yeah, Belladonna. Now, if if I'm, and I may be completely off the mark with this, so I want to, I'm going to throw my guess at it. And then if you can correct me and, and steer me in the right direction, that'd be great. Um. So if I, if I've heard correctly, Belladonna is a plant that uh, produces some sort of poison. It's a toxic poison that is often used when, in, in several murder mysteries where people get killed with, the plant from uh, the Belladonna plant, which is also referred to as Nightshades. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Does that have any kind of tie to your story, the name Nightshades compared to the French version Belladonna? Is Mm -hmm. that correct? Or am I completely off the mark?
1: No, you're right. Um, It's in French, Belladonna have Two, two significations. It's the name of, the, of, of this plant, which is both toxic and a remedy, uh, a medicine. Uh, but it also uh, signifies um, beautiful woman. It's um, an Italian. It's an Italian word to say belladonna, uh, beautiful woman.
2: Um, absolutely yes. that, that that kind of ties in, as you said with the three beautiful women obviously so the 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 uh the, the naming of it uh, belladonna you keep I'll, I'll, I'll let you carry on and then i'll ask another question about the title change carry on
1: um in fact in in the title night shades we l- we lose um the second signification but we also um win another signification i i i love um because it's significant uh, that um it means that uh, nights can have a lot of shades you know and um the the trip the the journey of these characters it's a kind of uh, night shades, you know, um, each, um, each character experiment, a, a shade of night.
2: Yeah, you know, that makes, make, makes sense. So it just as you have, uh, I'm, I'm not comparing the films, but you have 50 shades of grey, which is... Oh my God, <laughs> no. I'm not, I'm, I'm not <laughs> you comparing can't it compare. to, I'm not comparing it to at all. I'm, I'm looking more at the title of 50 shades of grey, where mm-hmm. it's implying that you have 50 different shades of the colour grey. that's the same thing that you mean you have 50 you have different shades of the of the color of night so as you said these are three different shades of night represent the women but i do agree and that was going to be my next question which you've just basically taken away where you just said that you you um you worried about you've lost that meaning which i i was going to say why did you change i was going to ask you why you changed Ah. um Eladonna to nightshades because I, I, hence me saying, when I I zoned in on the title, the original title that you had as Belladonna's, Um, you know, I loved that as a title. Um, But I see why you changed it, obviously, because again, Mm. you're showing a different aspect where you're saying different shades of night. Uh, Well, Belladonna's same thing, same sort of uh, uh, duality in the name of Belladonna's being both poisonous and beautiful and the women are both beautiful and poisonous. And you have the same thing with Nightshade, where it's both dark and you have different shades of darkness. So that's uh, so, th- so. thank you for explaining that for us. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 4.4 FM. I'm Marcus Iacco. And I'm producer Dave. And we have with us uh, Sophie Taveh masian Did I pronounce your name correctly?
1: Massian, Massian,
2: Massian. Sophie Massian. Thank you very much for joining us. You're talking to us about your film uh, Nightshades, which is in... Uh, in the Paris International Film Festival. Uh, your film has been described as a fantasy. Is that Does that feel uh, correct to you, describing it as a fantasy film?
1: Yeah. Yeah, because first of all, um, when I um, think about this movie, there was a, a very a fantastic dimension, a fantasy. I would like to- Oh, I see.
2: So it's fantastic, obviously, because as you said, there's a metaphysical interaction happens yeah. between the three women. What inspired you to, uh, to write and direct this film?
1: First of all, um, the lockdown, really, because we were uh, in my home with my kids, and I was very frightened about the future, mm. uh, the future of cinema, the future of my movies. And uh, when the lockdown uh, f- mm. was, uh, finished in France uh, around uh, mid-May 2020. I only want a thing. It was to make a movie. (laughs) I just want to make a movie. And um, um, I I haven't at this moment, at this moment, uh, I haven't uh, no script, no idea. I just wanted to make a movie. Um, so to, to start the process, i I think about the um, the things that um, which was in, inspired me in my life at this moment, and there was um, the witch because in France we I don't know um, if this movie is uh, this book is uh, translate into English. It's a a very important essay um, from um, Mona Cholet, uh, which name is Witches. And it's a feminist essay, which had a very important impact in France. And I really was inspired by this book, Witches. Um, What is interesting in this book is the fact that Mona Cholet, um, talks about uh, witches like like uh, without any folklore. Folklore, you understand folklore?
2: Uh, yes, like yes, yes, like fairy like fairy tales, folklore fairy tales. Yes.
1: Yeah. And um, in this book, uh, witches appears appear like um, a woman. Just women uh, in life, real woman, you know, a young woman, uh, old woman, woman who wants a child, a woman who doesn't want child, and just woman. It's a very, um, it's a very uh, modern manner to to talk about uh, witch witches and uh, powerful. You understand me? Uh,
2: no, I. I... I do I do understand. So it's a fantasy film. You're, you're, you're diving into the realm of witchcraft, witches, and you were inspired by the fact that you had the lockdown. And so the, the fairy tales basically inspired you to come up with this project, uh, which is what you now have about these three beautiful, dangerous women engaging in, in magic and fantasy and metaphysical uh, aspirations, if you will. Um, so we we look we look forward to watching this film uh, Night Shades at the Paris International Film Festival. Uh, Sophie, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, we wish you all the best at the festival.
1: Thank you very much.
2: You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus Iacco.
3: And I'm producer Dave.
2: And we have uh, another filmmaker whose film is in the Paris International Film Festival, which is running to the 20th of February. Uh, Please tell us your name. You're the writer and director of this film that's in the festival. Tell us your name and the name of the film.
4: Okay. My name is Alexandre Labaricia and the name of the movie is Left It, Gauche Touché in French.
2: Okay, so, so, sorry, you say left it. Yes. Okay, so tell us
4: um, what is your film about and what inspired the title? Yes, of course, the, the movie is about the relationship between a um, fencing master and his pupil, and the, his best pupil He is going to, to leave the club, to leave her, and he hasn't tell her, and this is a story about uh, their separation. And it's a left hit, it's a translation of gauche touché in French, which is a, f- a fencing term. French is the official fencing uh, language all around the world. And I wanted to, to have this title to, to suggest that.
2: Absolutely, because, uh, uh, and that's one of the things that sort of drew me to it, the, the name. To, well, we, we, we say touché, which basically means your hit. And that yes. obviously comes from fencing. So this is called left hit. Uh, that that, that makes sense um I've fencing has been one of those art forms that I whenever I see it it's very it's very um how can I put it it's very classy uh and it's obviously it's sort of it's seen as a as an upper class type sport is my anticipation or my expectation of fencing being an upper class sport is that correct in your opinion
4: yes it's Absolutely correct. And I wanted, uh, it, it interested me to, to, to focus on a sport, which is um, a realistic an sport. And I wanted to tell a story about a young, a young um, pupil uh, who live in a, a minor's home. And I wanted to tell uh, his story and his relationship between him and his fencing master, which is close to a mother to him. And, um, and it's, I, I thought it was very interesting to, to show how t- this sport is for him a way to, to escape his background and a way to, it's the only future he has. And I wanted to, to well, we, we used to see that kind of story in football, for example, and I thought it was interesting to work on a, on a sport which is uh, more confidential. And there was also something uh, that interested me in this sport is that uh, it's a very graphical sport uh, with the mask, uh, with the black and white. And I, I was very interested as a filmmaker uh, to find a way to, to shoot this sport, a way uh, that was not the way we used to see uh, during the Olympic games, for example. Uh, I wanted to try to, to find a way cinematographically to make body speak, if I can say it this way. We, we feel uh, in, the bo- in, in the body, uh, um, in the breath, uh, well, I wanted to, to, to experience physical sensations of the sport. That's a very interesting point that you raise about the
2: mere uniform worn by a fencer automatically lends itself, as you said, cin- cinematography cinematographically uh, i'm gonna I'll tr- i keep tripping over my words Um uh, and you're right because when you when you're done on the mask and it's obviously the colors as well the color scheme is just white with this with the fencing sword with the rapier it's very graphic as you said um now with with regards to the actual fencing scenes that you filmed i haven't seen the film yet uh how what was your approach going into uh filming the fencing match to make it uh, you know in order to draw the audience into this one-on-one battle between the the duelers
4: yeah th- there is a paradox uh which is this is a, a graphical sport but it's not a cinematographic sport because we don't see faces we don't see emotions we even it's even hard to 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 know who he's where and it's a, a sport that somehow you need to find a cinematographical approach so so we can feel the scene and it was the what I tried and to to find a way uh, with the sound with uh, the expression of bodies to make it feel more than recognize you know characters and to count who is winning well I wanted to show it uh, with the expressions of, of the body
2: uh, and the actors that you have in it uh, as well, uh, you have the, the, as a the lead character Carl Malapa. Uh, yes. I, I I remember seeing I, I saw his image, and I remember seeing him in a TV show I I watched a long time ago called The Last Panthers uh, with uh, Samantha Morton, if I'm not mistaken. He plays uh, one of the younger characters in it. So and you now you you've got him in here. So tell us, you wrote the story of Left Hit. Um, this character obviously seeing. Uh, you know, having to leave his uh, mentor, his mother, mother figure. Yes. Listen, yes. What it, what, um, what? were the inspirations behind the actual writing of the character and the decisions that the character makes in the film?
4: Well, um, it, the, the story is based on my own experience because I've been uh, practicing fencing for seven or eight years, long time ago, and I had this uh, fencing teacher uh, whose name is, uh, in the real life, Valérie, like in the movie, and I thought it was she was a very interesting character because she was very rough, um, sometimes a bit violent is too much, but rough with his pupils and um I felt behind behind the behind a mask something very sensitive, and I wanted to to write a character we, who is very very rough at but deep inside very sensitive and I wanted to tell a story about a relation with uh, a pupil and a relation uh, in which the, the, they can't tell sport is their way to to speak and I, I thought it was interesting to, to try to, 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 to use the sport as a language for them. And um, there was one challenge with the character played by by Karl Malapa. Valerie is uh, the main character of this movie, and it is a very strong character. Uh, We see her all the time. She had um, a a personality very, very powerful, and I needed to find uh, an actor can resist to her because there was very uh, a high risk uh, that Valérie um, erased him. We can say it that way, and I we, I needed to find an actor who, who can play in front of Valérie. We can resist to her and we can uh, give life to his chara- to his character, and it was a carl was very good for that. It's like you know, sun and moon uh, with Valerie's like something like a sun. And I wanted to have a moon in front of her who can capture her light. Can, you you can uh, uh, bright with her light, something
2: so like that. So it, it essentially, if I understand you correctly, um, while uh, the character, the actor is playing Juliet, uh, is playing uh, Valerie. Um, which is uh, Juliet yes uh, uh, plum um, <laughs> Yes uh, yeah I'll but you the surname Juliet when, um, when Juliet's that character is shining on you know on on screen, you want yes. to have somebody who is who can withstand that, that beam of light from that character and yes. basically there's opposing force, a different type of light that shines as well and you felt that Carl actually stood that and was being able to present yeah. that
4: Exactly. Exactly. Now,
2: did you get your actors? Were your actors uh, natural fencers, or did you substitute them for, <laughs> for stunt stunt actors when the masks were on? Uh,
4: thank you for asking. Um, hello. So they no, they were not. Uh, they hadn't uh, practicing fen- fencing before the shooting, and they had only one day of practicing. So the Really the the, the minimal <laughs> the minimum um, to well to be able to start the the shoots and we we add uh, uh, real real players to to take their, to take their part so well we, we never see them uh, p- uh, fencing of course uh, <laughs> but
2: obviously when they're holding the, the rapiers when they're off you want them to be able to have that point exactly. And- to make it look like that, yeah, yeah, that exactly. Sense. You're listening okay. to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance
3: 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Acho, and I'm producer Dave Alexander. From what you were saying just now, you had someone else doing the the actual fencing that you're filming. I'm just wondering as well how, considering they have their masks on, you managed to get those opponents to convey their whatever emotion it is that they're trying to put what you're trying to get across how how did you find doing that and what challenges did you see in getting that across on the screen
4: well um i practiced uh, fencing so i knew i knew the sport and i i wrote the battle scene because the, the movie the the, the, fi- the the final one of the final scene is battle between the master and the pupil, and I wrote this scene and I thought this scene to be uh, able to be shoot. So it's about the old master who is, who is not strong enough to resist a pupil and it's about a, a, a body who breaks and it's about, well it's about, uh, it's more about physical, and then about thought or or feeling. So I I wrote and I shoot the scene uh, this way. So one thing uh, that mattered to me was I-, I didn't want to 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 make a movie on the sport, uh, but in the sport. I mean, it's it's not about uh, knowing and waiting. Who is going to win? We know Valérie is going to lose. We know it from the beginning. We even don't see the end of their battle. Uh, The result wasn't uh, what interested me. It was the relation between them. How is she going to lose? And how is he going to manage to, to go and to break their relationship? And it was, well, it was, a story of a separation, uh, much more than a story of winning. Yeah, so you're using the sport. No, it,
2: it's it's more the story between the two characters, um, with the sport being the metaphor that carries them along, as opposed to some of the ideas I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of uh, oh, Whiplash, for example, where exactly. it's more of the relationship between uh, the main character, the drummer, and his uh, and his music teacher. It's not about the actual music, it's about that relationship between the two of them. So it's the same thing, you're just using fencing as the method to get that story across.
4: Exactly, and in, in Whiplash is a, is a good reference. And in Whiplash, Whiplash is a story of a battle in music. <laughs> and uh, my movie isn't, is a story of how the battle is, doesn't take place and the fencing battery where where the
2: battle is is supposed to be a fight on the actual mat where you're supposed to be fighting that's not where yeah. the real battle happens the real battle happens off the fencing pitch. yes exactly yeah it makes Ex- perfect sense and it, it's sort of an inversion with uh whiplash where exactly. more more the, the battle is actually while they're playing music as yes. opposed to outside where it's just a one-sided battle completely outside. yes exactly <laughs> yeah i like the idea uh, Alexander, thank you very much for coming on to the show to talk to us about your film uh, um,
4: "Left Hit." I'll call it "Left Hit." How do you, yeah. you say How do you pronounce it in French? You say uh, "gauche, gauche touché." Gauche, yes, and you can gauche, you can say it with an English accent because it's it's uh, it's how it's said in uh, fencing: uh, "gauche touché." Gauche touché. Yeah. Left. <laughs> Excellent. So after after the uh, Paris International Film Festival,
2: if people want to watch this film, do, is there do you already have a distribution platform for it? or is this something that you're waiting for after the, uh, the festival run?
4: For the moment, there is no platform because the movie is still uh, screened on, fe- on film festival, but um, we have to wait the, the end of, the, of the, the film festivals and it will, be, it will be screened by the production and distribution, which is origin film. So it, it can be found there. It will be, it will be found findable there.
2: Excellent. Thank you very much for coming on the show to talk to about your project. We wish you all the success that you can get uh, on the festival run. And we hope to speak to you soon about uh, uh, Gauche Touche.
4: Yeah, thank you very much.
2: listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Acho, And I'm producer Dave. And we have another filmmaker from the Paris International Film Festival, which is running from uh, February the 10th to the 20th. Please tell us your name and the name of the film that you have in the festival.
0: Uh, Hi, my name is Nani. I'm the writer-director of uh, the film Beneath the Banyan Tree that's playing in Paris International Film Festival.
2: Excellent. Nani, welcome to the show. Um, t- tell us, w- what is um, Beneath the Banyan Tree all about?
0: Uh, so Beneath the Banyan Tree is a film about a uh, Chinese American immigrant family. Uh, so three generations that they came to the US and how they adjusting their life uh, to a different uh, foreign land, and also how they deal with each other's expectation and the finding their own individuality.
2: Uh, and it, what was the inspiration behind this film?
0: Uh, so this film uh, was a kind of a very personal uh, story for me. Uh, my inspiration is that uh, since I moved to the U.S. as a Chinese immigrant, I kind of observe a lot of families, and including my own, and how we interact with each other. Especially, I see uh, a lot of elderly Chinese move to the U.S. for their children, uh, but they can't even speak English at all. Um, so like, I'm, I'm very fascinated about the dynamic uh, between uh, those people and then the culture, uh, including my, uh, the, my parents' expectation on me. And then I find that I want to share that because I find it's like a very universal story. Uh, that we all kind of try to seeking approval from our family, no matter what culture background you are. So that's when I want to tell this story.
2: That's uh, excellent. I mean, it, it's it's clearly the fish out of water um, story where you have that immigrant family in America, uh, the 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 country that's founded on prides itself on welcoming immigrants, and then seeing the clash when immigrants go there. So that that's it's a very common story, and it's a very it's common because it's poignant. A lot of people tend to resonate with that that type of story. Um, what uh, other type of uh, films did you? you allow to influence you in the writing and the directing of this film?
0: Um, That's a very interesting question. I kind of heavily influenced by uh, a couple of Ann Lee's family story like earlier Ann Lee's work and uh, also uh, actually uh, American Beauty is one but it's like a completely American uh, family story. Um, I kind of use this both from like a Chinese culture and the Western culture, two families, sto- different film kind of influenced me and the, as inspiration kind of uh, combine them together to my own personal story. So I kind of bring both side of the culture into one story. I was hoping that can kind of bring up um, a kind of a sense of that no matter we are. Chinese or American or whatever culture you grew up with, we are actually struggling with the same thing.
3: Sorry, before we go any further, I just wanted to ask you, because I noticed something on your uh, website, and I just want you to clarify or just let us know, what is your superpower, HSG?
0: (laughs) Uh, HSP?
3: Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's a highly sensitive person. So it re- reference as a highly sensitive person. I kind of personally struggle that actually, like um, I didn't know that was a thing. It's kind of a genetic thing. Uh, 20% of people have that. And I grew up and feel like an outsider. <laughs> and that's kind of one of the reason I'm making movie because I find myself um, uh, kind of see things or feel other people's feeling a lot. Um, and um, so I, um observe the dynamic of my family people around me a lot and then that's where i uh kind of fascinated about movie
3: (laughs) right okay and there's the other thing as well because um after viewing the trailer i noticed that the actual clash comes when the mother joins the daughter who is already in america so is that where the movie has its focus on the clash between not only going to another country, but also from one generation, going to live with another generation who has been living in a situation for far longer than she's been there and the expectations of the mother.
0: Uh, yeah, uh, the story discusses a lot of um, of like uh, her, as you mentioned, uh, that she has been uh, the daughter has been living in the U.S. for a long time, and her she has her own way of living, her own lifestyle. So the uh, film is focusing on the mother trying to fit in into this new environment where everybody speaks languages that she doesn't understand. And, and at the same time that watching her daughter, uh, the way of her daughter living, it's kind of uh, not meeting the expectation of the culture, the Chinese culture, and then the struggle of a mother, um, how the mother kind of come to a accept, acceptance of all that. And um, that's one of the things I want to discuss is like the greatest love uh, parents can give to their children is that when they uh, don't understand when they're scared of your choice, but they ultimately let you to be who you are.
2: Uh, that's, that was a very good question, producer Dave. It, it's, um, I, I actually missed that part in the trailer, uh, but thank you for bringing that up. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. And we are here talking about uh, Beneath the Banyan Tree with the director uh, Nani Li Yang. So uh, Nani, the the title, I've been asking this question uh, of a number of filmmakers who've come in, what was the inspiration of the title of the film? I'll ask the same question to you. So Beneath the Banyan Tree, what's the significance of that title in relation to the film?
0: That's a wonderful question. So, The banyan tree is actually a symbol uh, for family in my mind, because uh, my father grew up in a very flat land. um, And uh, in that village, in the middle of the village, there's a huge banyan tree. And then that was like a visual always in my mind. The reason I think um, I kind of have this metaphor of a tree throughout the movie is uh, I think every family is kind of like a banyan tree. And uh, each individual is those branches and the leaves that growing on the tree. And then we are always part of the tree. Even the day we die, like the falling leaves and branches, we're going to rot inside the ground become the nutrition to kind of support the tree to grow. So I use Banyan tree as a balance, like a metaphor of the balance of how much we put into a family and how we find individuality.
2: Excellent, and now you're at the Paris International Film Festival, uh, where this is uh, showing. Is this the? It, it, this is not the uh, film's de- debut at a festival. It's already started picking up some some awards uh, on the festivals uh, on the festival circuit. Uh, we've, we you've got um, you've got the Audience Choice Award at Dances with Film. Uh, you got the um, audience award winner as well from Dazzles for Films and Hollywood Music Awards. You were nominee. Uh, so this is or this film is obviously it's a beginning, a very successful festival run. Um, I, have you already secured distribution for the film or is this something that you're hoping the festival success would be able to help you out with?
0: Yeah, this is. We actually already have distribution names coming up in spring, so this festival will be like uh, right before the distribution um, as a kickstart.
2: Perfect. So in spring, if we don't, if we are not able to see it at the festivals, we'll be able to see it if come spring. It should then come out in uh, in general release. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, that's right.
2: Fantastic. And what other projects are you working on? I mean, is this? Are you solely focusing on pushing beneath the banyan tree, or have you got something else? that you are working on straight after this? Uh,
0: Yes, right now I'm only uh, fully focused on uh, working on Beneath the Billion Trees, um, publicity and all that um, distribution stuff. But at the same time, I'm writing a couple of story as well. And then they are kind of like very different genre. Um, I'm working on a musical screenplay as well.
2: Musical. That's fantastic. As soon as you get the opportunity, please come back, talk to us about your project. We would like to follow up with you um, on uh, after the success of uh, Beneath the Banyan Tree on its, on its festival circuit. Uh, so thank you very much for joining us, Nani Li Yang, on Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. We hope to speak to you soon.
0: Thank you for having me.
3: Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. As you know, we've been interviewing participants of the Paris International Film Festival, which started on the 10th of February and runs through until the 20th of February. We have two other participants who are going to introduce themselves and tell us all about their films, including the name of it. So I will start with you, Maria.
5: Hello, my name is Maria. I'm the writer and director of the film Alakachu: Take and Run. I'm very excited that I can be with you today. So thanks for the invitation. Um, we made a film about the topic of bright kidnapping. So um, it's shown in the festival right now. Yeah. And my name
6: is Nadine. Um, I'm a Swiss producer based in Zurich. And yeah, I'm also very happy to be here with you guys tonight and uh, happy to answer your questions.
3: Excellent. Maria, I'll turn to you first. Is the film all about and how did you get the idea to make a film on this subject?
5: Yeah, the film is about um, bride kidnapping in Kyrgyzstan. It's um, something like a marriage by force and a real unknown topic for the rest of the world. So it was also for me a really unknown topic. So I heard about it after a friend of mine was in Kyrgyzstan for some weeks and he came back and told me about this bride kidnapping thing. And I was shocked that I never heard about something like this, especially when I learned how many girls and women are victims of this tradition. So um, as a filmmaker, it was clear to me, I want to change something and I can make a film and bring this topic out. To the world, and I hope a lot of people will see this film so they know about bride kidnapping and they know about the fates of the girls and the women.
3: Excellent. I'm really looking forward to seeing this because um, i just looking at the IMBD page for it, uh, I, I noticed that it's won many, many awards, and also there is a suggestion of a possible Oscar nomination. Care to comment?
5: It is an Oscar nomination, yeah. We we uh, know that since uh, Thursday, Tuesday, Tuesday. So I lost my mind the last days. So um, yeah, we are running for an Oscar now with this film. I'm super excited and happy. And uh, Nadine and I sat uh, in front of this Oscar nominee announcement screening. And uh, we really screamed a lot because this is such a huge thing and it means so much to us.
3: Excellent I'm really pleased for you both. Nadine how did you get involved in this project?
6: Um, I got involved uh, when Maria talked to me about uh, about her uh, movie idea and also about the fact of this bride kidnapping and I as a Maria I was not aware of it so this was also like uh, it was it was it hooked me at uh, at once at the at. When, when, when Maria told me the story, it was, I was hooked immediately And, um, and then uh, Maria um, sent me her first draft of the script and uh, it was very, it was already a very good draft. And then we, we started um, working together. and um, maybe a few months later we started the financing process and um, yeah then the journey began.
3: How long did it take from start to finish to bring, you know, from the start of filming to the end of the process, um, the post-production process to bring it to our screens?
5: So the first time I heard about it was in um, September, 2016. So this is some years ago. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we had a long, long ride doing research. I had to know everything about this culture and learn a lot of things and write an authentic script so it was a long journey of research then um, we shooted the film in 2019 in kyrgyzstan in and we finished it in August 2020 so a lot of years and we're still on this film every day and now we are going to the oscars so um it's uh, years years of my life i spent with this film and uh, exciting years of my life yeah
3: so you started shooting in 2019 and finished in 2020 so it's a long shoot right.
5: Um, yeah, no, we, we were just for one month in Kyrgyzstan, we had 13 shooting days. So not, not a lot of time, we had to be fast and, and hurry up. And um, we were in Kyrgyzstan in August, 2019, August, September, 2019, came back to Switzerland and then uh, a hard process of cutting and editing and film in a foreign language was very, very difficult. So it was not so easy to find a way to to edit a film when you don't understand what the actors say. (laughs) So it was a process of five months and then we got it in August, 2020.
3: So the actors you recruited locally?
5: Yes, they were all locals, so we had these language issues, um, not so many of them uh, can speak English, I can speak Russian or Kyrgyz, so it was a huge adventure to find the right uh, way to, to understand each other.
3: So how did you get past all those difficulties? What, I mean look, you obviously had the challenges of being in a foreign country, not being able to speak the language and having a cast and definitely a crew possibly who also spoke a different language. How did you manage to get past those difficulties?
5: So um, I think I'll answer first and then I, I give it to Nadim because we had both difficult uh, uh, times and, and uh, things. So for me it was uh, very important that some of the crew understand my language because we had to be fast. We can't always uh, have a translator like like for the cinematography, like the audio guy, something like this, we, we had to find a good way to speak to each other. So we brought them from Switzerland to, to talk about um, everything. And um, for for the actors, That that was my huge department, of course. Um, I had a translator on my side all the time. So after we shoot a scene, um, I had a moment with the person who translated just to be sure they didn't make a mistake or something like this, just to make sure they said what they have to say. And um, it was very exciting to do that, and I will always do that again because you can focus on emotion, and this was a huge gift. So it took a time to to find a way, but after that time, it was amazing to just focus on emotions. Um, yeah, it was a uh, yeah. Of course, it it uh,
6: it uh, it was a big adventure. This filming in, in Kyrgyzstan and uh, because uh, in the beginning in the pre-production process you have to do it uh, you have to do a lot of uh, on a remote style like um, and, and it, it, it it's a little bit out of your control because you it just it's not outside the door or it's not just like an hour trainway away, uh, train way away so um we had uh, as maria said uh, we had um, a few head position from switzerland who were coming with us which we all all people that we already know that we already have worked with so there was a a kind of a um, confidence and then we had some crew members in kyrgyzstan and they would of course meet the very first time in kyrgyzstan and Actually, um, we also had a a Swiss person in Kyrgyzstan, um, a Swiss woman who was organizing a lot of locations and she was also kind of a cultural um, translator. And uh, this was very, very helpful for the whole pre-production and uh, also for the production. And uh, maybe the the main, um, uh, the the most difficult thing was that in Kyrgyzstan uh, the world is, working differently. And we have another time um, perception in, um, in Western countries uh, we, we like to time uh, to plan ahead our shooting days for a long period. And it's really very exact. And, uh, and in Kyrgyzstan, this is not the case The people would maybe plan it the day after day. And this this was uh, this was uh, this needed a little bit time uh, an adaptation time between the our way of working and their way of working but we we managed it quite well and uh, the the Kyrgyz crew they were very nice and uh, we had a lot of fun also and uh, Maria did a great job she kind of united the both crews together in the end uh, it was very nice but we had a we had every day something unforeseen and. So it was, in a way, it was a good training for Corona (laughs) where you couldn't plan the stuff that you had to take every day by day.
3: So (laughs) you planned pre-production in Switzerland?
6: A part of it, a part of it. Not all Mm. the (laughs) pre-production. Okay.
3: And then you moved to this other country and then you're planning your sort of like production. How did you find the casting process when you were there? Did you have any difficulties casting in kyrgyzstan
5: i was in kyrgyzstan in 2018 for research finding locations um and and doing a casting we had three days and it was an open casting so people just came in and um we had a casting director in kyrgyzstan and she she sent it out so everyone is welcome and we had 160 people in three days so it was a lot of work because your everything you do is slower than you know how it works because you have this translation person so it's like you don't speak one sentence you always speak it twice so this takes time and 160 people in three days you're gonna rush but it's impossible kind of impossible so um um, this were three really hard days really hard days but um by the most of the cast it was clear to me when they came in so there was a connection and a feeling especially by Alina, who is uh, the main character. She was the second person on the first day and she stayed all the three days with us. And it was amazing to, to work with her. And it was clear to me, she she has to be the main character in this film.
3: I'm really pleased. Alakachu, is it? Is that how alakachu,
5: you say it? Alakachu, yeah. It's it's the Kyrgyz word for uh, bright kidnapping. It's called alakachu and um, it's take and run so it's like take it and run away so okay. this is how the title came
3: okay alakachu is now showing at the paris international film festival i recommend everyone go and see it the, the film festival runs from the 10th to the 20th of february alakachu has already racked up 22 awards in its um, in its run so far and is nominated for an oscar so well done because you obviously overcame all the difficulties that you were presented by being in a foreign country not being able to understand the language them not always understanding you suit yourselves you've come up with a product which a lot of people have rated very very highly and it's got an oscar nomination congratulations to you both i can't wait to see the film And thank Thank you very much for joining us on Shoot the Breeze.
5: Thank you for having us.
2: And, And there you have it. Some of the filmmakers whose films are going to be running in the Paris International Film Festival, which is going to the 20th of February, 2022. Film Festival is directed by our good friend, Jenna Suru. Give her all the love. Go check out the Film Festival, check out all the wonderful films that are going to be there and see all the emerging filmmakers who will most likely become household names in the next few years. Uh, I want to say thank you all very much for having sat down and listened to Shoot the Breeze on Residence 104.4 FM. I want to thank Residence FM for giving us the opportunity to keep on doing this show over and over again, you have been listening to Shoot the Breeze on Residence 104.4 FM. I have been Marcus E. Acho. I'm still producer Dave. Dan, thank you very much for listening.
3: Speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Bye.